When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is finally almost here. (laughs) And of course, I'm talking about the season opener for 2022, Packers-Vikings. It'll be a 3.25 p.m. kickoff Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium in downtown Minneapolis. We will certainly be there from our perch in the press box. We're going to talk about uh, keys to victory and whatnot as we go along in the show, but right before we turn the cameras on here, we were kind of joking around about one of the keys to this whole thing is finally getting to this point, right? It's like there's going to be a game that's going to count. It's going to matter. It's a big one against a division rival, obviously, but uh, the time has finally arrived. It's finally arrived, and and it's time for football again. even at the time, you know, that we're taping this, even the lead up to Buffalo and the Los Angeles Rams, you can tell the world is ready for football again. <laughs> yep. I think Packer fans, you know, training camp's fun. The preseason is fun. I really do feel like it is the best buildup and lead up in all of sport uh, to to the definitive beginning of the season. But the the thing that's interesting about with this new world we live in with the preseason is you do have – a pretty substantial chunk of time here before we get to week one. And, you know, for that reason, I I think whether it's the media, whether it's the players, I think everybody is just sort of getting to the point where it's like, yeah, it's time to play football again. And that was one of the big questions I had for guys. Really my only big question in Wednesday's locker room is what's the anticipation like? I mean, especially with the defense, we talked all off season about this defense and how dominant can be and, what is life going to be like without Devontae Adams for the offense? Right. Was Rich Bisaccia going to be able to overhaul special teams? Well, now we finally be able to get some answers. Yeah, exactly. We're going to find out exactly where things are headed. This will be just the start. It's a marathon, as we say many times, not a sprint. Oh, yeah. 17 games. I mean, first of 17 here. This uh, regular season doesn't end until almost the middle of January You're just trying now. to set me off, so. bro. <laughs> He's trying to get me going here. All right, well, all right, all right, we'll back up. We'll back up because this show is about the keys to victory, and you just mentioned 
offense, defense, and special teams. A little note on each one. So I will let you start wherever you would like to, whichever phase you want to begin with. What is the A number one key to victory in your mind for the Packers on Sunday against the Vikings? This could apply to any phase, but for me, it's who has the better unscouted looks, who is able to disguise more of what they want to do. And I know when you look at that, you say, well, Kevin O'Connell has a new scheme. You don't really know what Ed Donatel is going to do with this defense. That's all true. But Green Bay, it's just such a different look this year. Yeah. Uh, offensively, you know, Green Bay, it, it's not going to run through Devontae Adams. The 85% of the plays aren't going to be tailored to number 17. We're, we're all in the same boat. You and I watched every single training camp practice that was available to the media. Well, you really did. I saw most of them. Thank you, Canton. But I, I couldn't, I, I, even if I was allowed to, I, I don't think I could sit there and say, yeah, I mean, this is, this is Devontae Adams' offense. This is going to be the year of Jordy Nelson. This is, no, I mean, they are going to be multiple. They're going to be diversified. And a lot of this is going to really come back to what is Green Bay going to do well here the first few weeks of the season. So I look at the known, like the fact of this is that you have Aaron Rodgers, and you have a plethora of weapons. They're going to be going up against the hungry Vikings defense. We've heard all the stuff with Zedarius Smith. Fair play. But Green Bay, what they've cooked up and what they've concocted offensively, I'm really eager to see if they can stress this new Minnesota defense because, for me, without Mike Zimmer being there for the first time in eight years, there are a lot of question marks there for the Vikings, despite the fact a lot of their personnel remains the same. Yeah, I agree with you. I, the, the matchup here with the Packers going up against this Vikings defense. It is. It's the it's the first time Aaron Rodgers is going to face a Vikings defense not being run by Mike Zimmer in 9 years. It's going to be it's going to be a different feel and a different look in that regard with as we talked about in our last show, some of the same cast of characters. Eric Kendricks is still out there. Daniel Hunter is still out there. Harrison Smith is still out there. But I think it's going to be interesting to see just what kind of start the Packers can get off to, not only because of the transition here without Devontae Adams, but also all of the, the uncertainty right now on offense. At the time we're taping this from an injury standpoint, the Packers really don't know if Al Lazard, who has an ankle injury, is going to be available, if David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Bobby Tunyon. A lot of key pieces on offense that we may not know until potentially Friday or even right up until kickoff just how this is going to uh, how this is going to come together. So for me, I just I just fall back on, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but what I've been saying all off season, all training camp leading up to this is, I think the key to this Packers offense is going to be those two running backs. It's yeah. going to be Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and that and I'm not saying that. The Packers are going to run the ball 45 times with their running backs, but if Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon touch the ball a combined 45 times with, with runs and screen passes and maybe wheel routes and check downs and whatever else, it wouldn't surprise me because these two guys are going to be on the field a lot together, and I think what the Packers are going to want to do, especially early in the season, is, is establish... These are a couple of our bell cows here offensively, and then they're going to see how defenses are going to react to what they want to do. I made history on Wednesday night, Mike. My fantasy football draft, for the first time since I started covering the team in 2012, I drafted a Green Bay Packer. 
And that's not because I had anything against them in the past. It's the fact that I'm in a league with a bunch of homers that are always overdrafting Green Bay Packers <laughs> that I can never get any of the top guys. I drafted A.J. Dillon. I would have taken Aaron Jones, too, if I would have had the opportunity to, but he was off the board already. But I took A.J. Dillon as my flex because I agree with you 150%. I feel like this offense can run with two backs. Yep. This offense is going to be able to provide both of those guys touches. As good as Jamal Williams was, and he's an all-time fan favorite, the offense wasn't structured in a way in which you're going to be able to really feed both guys. A lot of that fell on the unselfishness, selfishness, easy for me to say, of Jamal Williams, that he was able to kind of take a back seat a little bit. And to A.J. Dillon's credit, he's done that too at times the last couple of years. But this is the year where I think you have two running backs kind of coming into the same orbit here. Aaron Jones still at the peak of his power if he could stay healthy, and A.J. Dillon kind of being on that come up. The Packers didn't throw him out there and say, hey, we're going to run you 330 times a year like they did at Boston College. They said, we're going to gradually bring you up. And what happened, Mike? He became a better pass protector. He became a better pass catcher. Yeah. He became the well-rounded back that Brian Gutekunst projected him to be back in 2020 when they took him in the second round. This is a very exciting time for the Green Bay Packers offense because I feel like whether it's the run, the pass, whatever, they have two backs that are going to be able to really get this team moving out of the gate. Yeah, and I think what Jones and Dylan give you the opportunity to do as an offense is to force the defense to defend the whole field. And what I mean by that starting off is horizontally from sideline to sideline. If these two running backs are on the field together, and even if it is a pass play, you can have one of them be running a check to be being the check down receiver out to the left over by the sideline and the other one running a wheel route down the right sideline. Yep. How is the de, how is the defense going to match up to that and, and defend the entire field horizontally and you get them stressed horizontally, then, okay, now let's take our shot down the seam where, you know, the Vikings, you know, the middle of their defense with Kendricks and Harrison Smith, as we've talked about, it can always, it, it always seems like it's tough to attack the middle of the field against Minnesota. So now, and that could all look different with Ed Donatel and them switching to the three, four and, and all of that. But these, these two running backs, I, I think give the Packers, give the Packers an opportunity to, to really challenge defenses in different ways that maybe we haven't necessarily seen when so much of the offense was running through Devontae Adams. And that's what I'm really curious to see, what it actually looks like out there on the field um, come week one and, and as we go through the entire season. And doing it in stereo with one another. I think that's going to be a big part of this thing, too, because you know a lot of years, the Green Bay Packers, it was. It was, a, it was an offense that was kind of sitting on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders a little bit. You had a running back. We saw it in 2014 with Eddie Lacy. You, had, you did have backs at times that could shoulder the load. But a lot of it was letting Rodgers sort of create and building the rest of the offense out from there. I think what is most exciting to me is I, I've said it since the beginning of the offseason program, Mike, since the time in which Devontae Adams was traded. I love that this is probably going to be a season in which Matt LaFleur can get back to the principles of his offense and what him and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay – all these guys have done so well. If you have a superstar, you feed that superstar. But sometimes when you have a lot of talented players, you use that depth to your advantage. And I think that's going to be one of the big hallmarks of this team. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have – 
hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, well, switching gears to the defensive side of things, as far as the keys here, I look back and I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on week one against New Orleans last year. But I did want to look – I looked back at a little bit of the play-by-play on paper of that game of just how did, how did Joe Barry's defense get off to such a horrible start, right? Because it, it wasn't a good look on either side of the ball, but certainly there were a lot more expectations – defensively um, with Joe Barry coming in as the new coordinator. And, and I was reminded in looking at things that they just, they got off to a terrible start with third downs. There was a, in the new Orleans game, there was, there was a third and eight they gave up. Then there was a third and 13 that turned into a fourth and seven, which then the saints still converted on fourth down. There was a fourth and goal where they jumped offside. So the third and fourth down, situations that they got off to a a terrible start there but then not just in the first game but over the first several weeks remember the red zone problems I mean however whatever it ended up being I don't know 19 or 20 times in a row or something and I may be exaggerating I don't remember the exact number because I've tried to put it out of my brain but the Packers defense couldn't get a stop in the red zone for the longest time at the start of last season. I think those those are always two key areas for any defense at any time. But the way the season started last year for Green Bay, to get off to a at least a solid start with third downs and with red zone, um, I think is going to be a, a big key in this game and for the entire first month of the season. I agree because people want to make jokes about Kirk Cousins. And, and I don't know where all that comes from been something that's kind of followed him I think even going back to his Washington days Kirk Cousins is a good NFL quarterback and you can I don't care where you rank him in the hierarchy but if you look at his stats against Green Bay Packers he's had a fair amount of success maybe not if you look at the wins and losses but when you look at the completion percentage when you look at the accuracy the throws that he's able to make and when they're in rhythm there is a big difference between that Vikings offense and the one in which they're not so I agree with you 100% in terms of the red zone in terms of the situational offense that's going to be key but for me, it's also making sure in those early situations, early downs, you don't let those six-yard runs kind of crease to, to a Delvin Cook. Because once you start getting in those second and short, third and short opportunities, I feel like that's where Cousins has really thrived. Because, yeah, he's been sacked 15 times against Green Bay in these six meetings. But you can't really sit there and say, well, this game he was sacked five times and they got their butts kicked. The, the Packers have gotten pressure on the guy before. He's sort of a stationary-type quarterback. You're going to be able to get some sacks, but it's about whether or not you're actually able to get him out of that rhythm. If he gets into that rhythm and they start being able to penetrate down in the red area, 
that's where you start to find yourselves in trouble. And, and realistically, the Packers did last November. Yeah, and that was the other thing I noticed, too, as much as some of those long yardage situations I mentioned from week one against New Orleans last year. The early part of that game when the Saints jumped out 17 to nothing, first three drives, three scores, a field goal, and two touchdowns, there were also several third and one, third and twos in those, which as a defense, you can't live there, right? I mean, that that's going to be a high percentage conversion rate for the offense. It's very tough to get off the field on third and one and third and two. But then when you do get them in third and seven and third and eight, that is when you have to get off the field. And, and the Packers just uh, out of the gates last year really struggle in that regard. Now, that being said, as much as we've talked about the injury issues and a lot of uncertainty on the offensive side, defensively the Packers are about as healthy as you could ask for yeah. right here. I, th I think the only starter who's listed on the injury report is Darnell Savage. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, with uh, he had the hamstring from back on family night. All indications are he's going to be ready to go. He certainly has, has uh, indicated he plans to play. Health-wise, the Packers are where they want to be on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, Joe Barry has to be pretty happy about that. And I know for Packer fans, you can't take the emotion out of it because it is emotional. You want your team to win, and there are big stakes with the division game right off the bat in week one on the road. But it's also going to be an entertaining ball game in terms of what the Vikings have offensively and how that's going to match up with Green Bay's defense. When you talk about the Justin Jeffersons and, and who potentially could be covering him, what is Jair Alexander going to be doing? Who is going to be in the slot? Although, you know, we've seen Rasul Douglas there so much in the camp. They've talked about the flexibility of that spot. And certainly, as I already mentioned earlier, Delvin Cook is a difference maker. Kenny Clark was very complimentary of the offensive line that, that Minnesota's been building, and it's been a long, long process for the Vikings trying to get more stability there, but they've put in the resources yep. uh, to that position. So to me, I, I feel like this is going to be a game, and there's always going to be you know fits and starts. There's never really been a big blowout. I can't think of one during the Cousins era with the Vikings, but – it is going to be about attacking early on and seeing who who's able to, to to kind of get their early first momentum. But the Packers, if if it is the Packers, and you have the Jair Alexanders and the Devondre Campbells and, and some of these guys that are uh, Rashawn Gary, everything we talked about during training camp, they, the Packers have guys with a lot of swagger. And the the better they play, I feel like that's going to be a self fulfilling prophecy. So it's going to be exciting to watch. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah, and on the, on the special team side of things, you mentioned Rich Bisaccia earlier. Obviously, the Packers brought him in to to create a culture change. We talked on previous shows about how some of the roster decisions, final roster decisions, were geared toward special teams. Packers are looking to get off to a good start in that area, obviously, and but they're going to have a heck of a challenge thrown at them right away because uh, at, at roster cutdown time, the Vikings picked up Jalen Rager and sounds like the Vikings special teams coordinator is putting him back there on punt return. This is his guy, and 
I know it was two years ago and it was two special teams coordinators ago for the Packers, but Jalen Rager ran one back against Green Bay when he was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles on a, a long punt return. So they know all about him, about about his speed, his ability in that phase, and the Packers are going to be challenged right out of the gate here. It was really interesting listening to Chris Barnes, and, and Chris is such a thoughtful guy. We didn't get a chance to talk to him much in training camp, not from his own perspective, but just the media didn't really chat with him too much with Quay Walker coming in. But one of the things I asked him on Wednesday was about the special teams unit that Green Bay has assembled here. Because we've talked so much about Rich Bisaccia and Keyshawn Nixon and, you know, Dallin Levitt, you know, Pat O'Donnell, all the changes they've made with incoming personnel. You kind of forget about the guys who were here last year, the guys that do have a chip on their shoulder, the guys that do want to, that, that are kind of tired of hearing about, yeah. you know, how special teams was sort of a, you know, a, it was holding Green Bay back. And they're hungry to, to rectify that. And I just I go back to those offseason practices, Mike, and just the sense of urgency that Rich Bisaccia coached with. There was no coasting. It didn't matter if it was organized team activities, training camp, probably even if they were getting in line for the cafeteria. He had these guys really, really tightly, efficiently coached. And I feel like that culture shift you've seen, Aaron Rodgers has talked about it, Matt LaFleur has talked about it, that's going to translate in these settings. And I was the story I did on, on Jack Coco earlier this week, one of the things that kind of hit home for me a little bit was how Bisaccia tests these players. He gets after them, not because he wants to look like a tough guy, not because he, he wants to sit here and be the loudest guy in the room. He wants to put them through that type of chaos. He wants to see how it tests them. Yeah. from a fundamental standpoint because once that game starts they're all on the same team and whatever happens out there is going to be reflect back on the entire team so i just i think the the mental side of this thing and the way Bisaccia coaches is just so next level it's something i haven't seen before on special teams during my time covering the team and i'm excited to see what those guys specifically the ones that returned from last season the amari rogers how they respond with wanting to prove they are better than what everybody said they were last season. Yeah, you're exactly right. The mo the motivation the motivation is certainly there and the culture has changed in uh, in that phase for the Packers on special teams. I still think it'll be a work in progress. Uh, you know, as we talked about through training camp, the preseason games, it was about finding the right guys. Yep. Now Rich Bisaccia feels like he has his guys, so now he's going to coach and mold and direct and lead those guys to play the way he wants them to play. And it's not going to be perfect in week one, but the Packers certainly need to at least break, at least try to break even in that phase and then work toward, um, as this evolves over the course of these, over the course of the season, work to be a special teams unit that can win that phase yep. uh, at least a fair amount of the time. And don't head to the bathroom during a punt. Don't go to the bathroom if you're going to be looking at a kickoff. Look at the personnel on these units. I'm not saying you're going to see Adrian Amos playing all four core special teams units, but the Packers, there are going to be veterans on these units. There's yeah. going to be guys that play offense and defense, the we fence sort of movement. Keep an eye on that because I think that's a very important thing. Early last season when Green Bay was having problems with the field goal protection, how many times did I mention to you, I'm like, Mike, they don't have any starting offensive linemen out there. No disrespect to anybody, but that's the way they're doing it. That's not the case this year. You're yeah. seeing Josh Myers as a wing. That's the part I'm excited to see because, as you mentioned, it's going to be a work in progress. Rager is going to test them and stress them in a lot of ways on yeah. Sunday. But there's going to be guys out there on that field 
that have seen Justin Jefferson. There's going to be guys on that field that have had to deal with some of the elite players in this league on offense and defense, and it's going to be fun to watch. All right, well, I'll take care of a little sponsor business here, and then I want to take a look around at what's going on elsewhere in the league in week one. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. You like how like fired up I got on special teams there? Yeah, Bisacci yeah. is rubbing off on you, man. I'm going to grow goatee. There you go. <laughs> um, week one, always an interesting and what I always consider, hands down, the most unpredictable week in what is always an unpredictable league in general. Start with what else is going on in the NFC North, and that is the the Bears and the Lions are both hosting games. Chicago at home against San Francisco, Detroit, coming off of the summer of hard knocks. Yeah, every, every, I did watch the, this year. Everyone in the country got a look into uh, their uh, their training camp. Except me, I guess. I saw maybe one or one and a half episodes. I fell out of was about it. Detroit at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, both the road teams here, the 49ers and the Eagles, both teams with, with high hopes, with young quarterbacks, um, run-oriented offenses to a certain extent. Um, big challenges here at home for the other two teams in the NFC North, the Bears and the Lions. Yeah, I mean, 49ers and Eagles are going to win, so that's about it. <laughs> okay. No, <I'm> <laughs> no I, it's, it, it is going to be tough sledding coming out of yeah. the gate. I, I love what I've read so far, though, about Detroit. I mean, the fact that it sounds like it's a sellout at Ford Field already. I mean, I think people have really rallied around Dan Campbell and the culture. I remember, remember saying that to you last year. I'm like, yeah. The wins and losses really don't matter. It's about what, what are they kind of building there? What's, what's the culture like? I mean, you saw that clip. I, again, I didn't watch Hard Knocks this year, but that clip of Jamal Williams just you know, almost in tears telling those guys he's sick of losing. That he experienced winning for four years. He, they, were, they were better than what people thought they were last year. And you got to admit, I mean, that win over Green Bay to end the season, that put them into the offseason feeling okay about themselves. Like, we finished strong to be able to kind of stay you know, mentally with it. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is going to be a talented player in this league. I think they found some young pieces there to build around. I, I just feel like if Jalen Hurts is as dynamic as everybody thinks he is and, and what they've built around him, I, I feel like Philly is going to be a team that's going to push Dallas for the top of that division. I would expect them to, to roll. I love Trey Lance. I always have. Uh, I'm excited about him. I, I wouldn't say I, I was on the gate with Justin Herbert right away. I love Justin Herbert. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm that high on him, but – Everything I've seen from the guy, I feel like this is the chosen one. You know, North Dakota State has produced a few quarterbacks now, but this is there's just something about him. There's an it factor, and I love the fact that kind of like the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, didn't wait as long, but it just was sort of this commitment of, no, this is our guy. We're going we're gonna to commit to him. He's going to be the one we're going to run with, and I, I feel like that's the better play. Yeah. Well, year two for Dan Campbell in Detroit, and then – the debut of Matt Eberflus in Chicago as the head coach and with uh, Luke Getze, the former Packers assistant, running the Chicago Bears offense with uh, their young quarterback in Justin Fields, the first-round pick from Ohio State from a year ago. That's the X factor. I mean, honestly, I think that's what it all comes down to. If Justin Fields is the truth, uh, if he's as talented as they thought he was coming out, um, I feel like that the Bears are going to go as far as he goes this season. They, they aren't the most talented team, 
But if they have something there with Fields, I, I think they're going to be able to, to surprise some people. Two interesting games as far as uh, cross-conference AFC versus NFC that, uh, that I wanted to touch on briefly. Cleveland is at Carolina, the Baker Mayfield revenge game or whatever. I love the you, way the schedule makers did this. It. It's crazy how that, uh, how that um, worked itself out. <laughs> and then Kansas City at Arizona, yeah. a, a very interesting AFC versus NFC matchup. Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, um, th- those, those are two games – um, two games that uh, that are interesting for for different reasons. The the Baker Mayfield storyline is obviously the one that's going to dominate the first one. The other one, the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, a lot of high hopes, playing in a really tough division. The, and with what happened last year, they they started out so strong. They were seven and zero. They were the last undefeated team in the league. But then by season's end, they were flaming out in the wild card round with an absolutely yeah. dreadful January performance against uh, their division rival Rams. So, you know, the Cardinals, a team with a lot of high hopes, but yet a fan base that's a little skeptical perhaps as to as to just how much to buy into this team because of uh, such an up and down roller coaster ride, so to speak, last year. It seems like to me it's Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall. I mean, they... I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona makes a deep playoff run. I wouldn't be surprised if it falls apart this year. You know, like that's kind of the way I've sort of been sitting with this thing because, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, there's definitely some, I don't want to say fire on him, but I mean, it wasn't great how it ended last season. I think everybody from the top down in Arizona talked about that. Kyler Murray, you, you've definitely put your wagon to this young man now. This is going to be the face of your franchise, and you hope that he takes those necessary steps. But you're going up against one of the the – the preeminent teams in the National Football League yep. right now. And, and I look at Kansas City, where they sit right now, it reminds me a lot of the Packers and sort of that aftermath of the Super Bowl 45, where Kansas City is going to be a team that's just going to threaten for 12 wins a year now, 13 wins a year. Yep. Uh, and that's a lot for Arizona to deal with out of the gates. I, I'm not saying Arizona has to absolutely win this thing, but you got to have a nice performance. you got to have something to give yourself some confidence. Uh, and then I, I want to just touch on quickly, yeah, you – it's just crazy how Cleveland Carolina worked out, but then Monday night football, Denver going to Seattle. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to, it's like professional wrestling, right? You got to build the feuds. You got to build the rivalries. You got to get the interest up. What a better way to, yeah, not a Na- better way to Nathan- finish Nathaniel Hackett, former Packers offensive coordinator makes his head coaching debut with the, uh, the, the Russell Wilson revenge game or whatever you want to <laughs> call it with the longtime Seahawks quarterback going up against his old team right out of the gate in week one on Monday night football. Um, Packers Vikings is obviously a big division game in week one. Another one that's interesting, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles yeah. Chargers, the game that the game that was the final primetime game in week 18 last year is now a rematch in week one. It'll be obviously the Devonte Adams debut with the Raiders, but um, a big game in the AFC West a division that a lot of uh, analysts are calling the best in uh, um, the best in the NFL, as far as the uh, the depth of it and uh, the way the way that Week 18 game went last year with yeah. the overtime and maybe they were going to tie and both go to the playoffs and all that. Well, now here they are uh, squaring off again in Week One should be interesting. Yeah, and Herbert, like I was just talking about, I mean, it's just, I, I think a guy that's definitely on the the incline here and, and seeing where his career is going to go and in the Raiders. 
Raiders are an interesting spot, Mike, because, yeah, the Devontae Adams thing is a really interesting storyline, and obviously him reconnecting with Derek Carr. They have had a lot of trouble here, though, with the last three years of their draft classes. Like, I still wonder about the overall depth of that football team because you, you can't basically miss on everybody and expect your, yourselves to be in a Super Bowl-type yeah. form. Yeah. It's difficult to do that. Um, this is not Major League Baseball. You can't just go buy everybody. <laughs> you you got you to be able to have some homegrown talent. So the Raiders are a very peculiar team to me. But for me, I, I look at the Chargers as a, in that very deep division as probably the one that's going to be able to push the Chiefs the most. Yeah, I thought, uh, um, I thought the Chargers were a potential threat if they had gotten into the playoffs last year in the AFC because of the way Herbert was playing, and then it didn't work out that way for them. So, uh, um, as you said, the arrow definitely pointing up for a quarterback like Justin Herbert. Last but not least, Sunday night football, which unfortunately we probably won't be able to watch because we'll be working on all of our post-game stuff for Packers-Vikings. But it turns out the first Sunday night football game of the year is a repeat of the Thursday night kickoff opener from last year. And, of course, I'm talking about Buccaneers against the Cowboys. This time it's in Dallas. But two teams in the NFC, both considered contenders, potential favorites in their division. And, uh, um, you know, with everything that happened in Tampa Bay with training camp and Tom Brady being gone for a while, then all the talk in Dallas of where things are with Mike McCarthy and all the expectations that are on the Cowboys heading into this season, um, you can't ask for a bigger week one NFC matchup than uh, than Tampa Bay at Dallas. Yeah, no, and, and for Dallas, as you mentioned, the stakes don't get any higher. Um, you know, I, whether it's true or not, whether it's just subterfuge or just stuff that the media is kind of conjuring up, um, certainly these are questions Mike McCarthy's had to continually answer. So it's going to be interesting to see where that thing goes. Um, a big win over Tampa, I think that's probably the, the, the outcome that would increase the most stock uh, for either of these teams. But certainly there's questions to answer about Tom Brady too. Um, 45 years old, I mean, you could talk about the off-the-field stuff, whatever. But, I mean, you know, he's trying to hold back father time one more season yep. here. And, and if he can, I think Tampa Bay feels really good about their chances. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's going to be a dynamite week one and certainly the – Packers Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium takes a backseat to no uh, to no game in terms of the intensity and the stakes. But with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and everything with the big Week One matchup in Minneapolis. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.